Hello, philosophers. I'm Alex Martinez. And I'm Sam Mascaro. And with us today, we have again, Gary Peeler. Hey, it's me, podcast. <laughs> hey, Gary, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. How about you guys? That's great. Uh, oh, so welcome to the third episode of Film Philosophy with myself, Alex, and Sam and Gary. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a few things. Uh, Sam, you want to start us off here? Absolutely, Alex. Yep. So today, guys, we're going to be talking about uh, film sequels. Um, you know, do we believe that there should be certain films that have a sequel? Um, which films maybe do you think shouldn't have had a sequel? And also we're going to get in depth with a, uh, a new uh, trailer that just came out that Gary wanted to talk about, uh, Fault in Our Stars by John Green. We're going to talk about that real quick, and then we'll go into the sequel. So uh, why don't you talk about that, Gary? So for people who don't know, The Fault in Our Stars is written by uh, John Green. He does a lot on YouTube. He's part of the Vlog Brothers. He does crash courses. Uh, was he in Mental Floss as well? He's also an award-winning author. And uh, he wrote this book, The Fault in Our Stars. And the, it's, it's gotten made to a film adaptation. It's coming out June 6th, I believe. And the trailer came out a few days ago. And I am absolutely head over heels just ready to see it because the book itself, it was just so amazing. I, I probably cried <laughs> like four or five times and going into it, I just thought, you know, it was going to be a generic love story, but it like, it was so quick witted and funny. And like at one moment I'd be like, I'd be laughing. And then in the next chapter, there'd be just a bombshell where I just be in tears. Well, I won't say in tears. I, I teared up and then there's just one part where I started like tears falling down my face, but it's just an amazing book, and I'm so excited to see the film uh, this summer. Absolutely, yeah, I love John Green, so I definitely want to be able to see this. Um, Philosophers, before we uh, we got on this, we were just talking about that. Um, John Green also has another book called, uh, I think it's Looking for Alaska. It's a really good book as well. I recommend uh, both just considering how intelligent John Green is and also his brother Hank Green. Um, if you guys ever have any problems with anything, whether it be chemistry, world history, or U.S. history, definitely go onto their YouTube page and uh, and check them out. And so, uh, Alex, uh, I read the book, and when I first read it, I heard it from one of my friends, and heard that it was really good. I I have one of these problems with uh, romance novels and just stories like this, to where. I don't technically I don't really get the whole sad portion of it. I don't really get the whole the whole feeling part of it where they want you to feel all this stuff. And in this book I felt it. It it really is one of those stories where even if you can't relate to the whole overlying story, you can still relate to it. And I think John Green does a wonderful job at doing that and just the way that he uh approaches his audience on YouTube, on um, uh, the Vlog Brothers and uh his uh, Crash Course YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. The way that he just approaches people and approaches situations, he makes it comical, but at the same time shows, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And uh, I don't know when it's releasing. Gary, do you know when the actual release date is for it? I, I believe the, uh, the date for the movie is June 6th. June 6th. Uh, all right, I'm going to have to see that then because I know that movie and the Lego movie are both on my top priority right now. The they, Lego uh, movie. Dude, the Lego I, movie is looks amazing. <laughs> it has Morgan Freeman, Will Ferrell, you know, it has all those top line people. And <laughs> I thought it was going to be nothing. Then I heard those voices and now I'm excited for it because it has all the favorite Lego characters. Uh, a couple years ago, you know, as a kid, I'd play Lego Star Wars. I played Lego Batman. And it's seeing something on the big screen like that, it's definitely going to be fun. 
It's cool but, that it's actually all anime. It's actually Legos too. It's not like some CG Lego movie that you see on TV. It's actually all completely 100% Legos. So. And I saw the trailer for it, and it looked like, like, uh, like flawless kind of in its form. It's not like a typical stop motion where it's just like picture, picture, picture. It looked uh, pretty good. Yeah, agreed. So uh, with the fault in our stars, uh, I hope that they don't. Um, uh, change much of the novel because i really did enjoy the novel yeah um, definitely and it, and i don't want it to become one of those films where the novel is adapted but it's only adapted and not completely um uh, i guess turned into a film and more or less just like changed a lot you know the last airbender film was uh pretty horrendous so god almighty <laughs> you mean Ong? <laughs> we, we can kind of do it we can kind of do a crossover with this and what we're going to go into later with the sequel thing. I tell you what, you want to see a disappointed twelve-year-old try to make have me watch the Last Airbender? I was a I'm a diehard Avatar fan. Philosopher. Yeah, so but, Alex, and I, I loved and, I uh, Avatar. The Legend of Korra. When I heard about that, I almost cried, and was, so I got in depth with that. It's a pretty um, good show. Pretty good show. Legend. I like Korra. it. I like it because it's like they're not. They're 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 trying to continue it on, but they're not um, they're not reusing a bunch of old ideas. Like they're creating new ideas. It's not like Cora has to be able to learn how to airbend or, well, she does have to learn how to airbend. I mean to say she doesn't. But it was uh, only two episodes, and it's not like this is the main focus. The main focus is oh look, there's an anti-bending revolution going on. Right. It's almost like, and they were talking about this um, that there were a lot of mirrors uh, between the Legend of Cora and. Um, the uh what's it called uh what is it with wall street oh i'm um occupy wall street yeah there was a lot of things that were going on with that and um the producers and the animators of that were extremely surprised to see about that because they actually um produced and created all those animations before occupy wall street actually happened yeah and so to see that happen it's it you know it's really good luck for your um for your show but you know it's it's just a really cool mirroring kind of thing but yeah i definitely when i saw last airbender i was so mad at how much they left out of the first season it was dis- I, it was disappointing and they changed things too like they well, did. first they off called- the biggest problem ang is the main character it's on well, they pronounce it on so ong. M. Night Shyamalan is you know that's well, it's a no-no yeah M. Night Shyamalan was explaining it as well, I'm trying to get them to pronounce it, you know, like the correct way, and that's how we try to describe it as. But you can't change a character's name, you can't change how it's said, and you can't change how, change how it sound sounds. It just doesn't seem right, especially for a character that's in an anime and is specifically referred to as Ang. And also another example, uh, and and uh, a web series that Alex and I watched called Ruby, produced by Rooster Teeth, and I love them to death. Uh, there's a specific character. Her, her name is Weiss. And people are like, well, the correct the correct German pronunciation would be like Weiss. So uh, the creator Monty Ohm was like, okay, but this is how we're going to pronounce it because it's the, it's her name, it's the own world. Like people don't call uh, Alex, don't call him some. I can't even think of an example like my, Alex. Well, my they actual call- name is Alexander, but I prefer to be called Alex. So people refer to me as Alex. You can't just be like, oh, it's Ong. It's not Ong. It's referred to. He is called Ang throughout the entirety of the anime. You just can't change it. I was sitting there watching C-SPAN because I'm a boring little nerd who doesn't have anything else to do on a Saturday, <laughs> and I was watching it. And John Kerry was on um, on 
the Senate judiciary thing or whatever. And he was sitting there talking to him and he kept on saying it. Um, he said, Iraq, he said, Iran. And for philosophers who are saying, well, that's how you say it. It really isn't. Um, Iran is Iran. It's not Iran. It's not Iraq. It's Iraq. Um, and it sounds like, you know, it sounds like a very small difference, but it's the equivalent of saying Ung and Ang and saying America and America. They're like totally different things. Yeah, no, totally. And, <laughs> so, and yeah, but the, the, the movie doesn't deserve, I don't think that should ever get a sequel. I don't want it to ever get a sequel. I don't want M. Night Shyamalan to ever get his hands on this franchise ever again because I do not want him to ruin it. <laughs> I want to... I, I disagree. I want to see what he would do because I want to see how Toph is. I want to oh, see that's if true. like... You mean Toph? Oh my god. <laughs> I could see him doing some crap like that too and I would be Instead so of her being blind, she's just deaf. <laughs> I... That would... <laughs> That would be that would she can hear she can hear earthquakes and she's like I can move this rock this way. Purpose of her being an air or for her being an earthbender. <laughs> that defeats her purpose. She's supposed to be dead. That's be the blind. twist, actually. Here's everything. It's so stupid. Screw you, M Night Shyamalan. This week the podcast tears M Night Shyamalan a new one. But I think we'll just move on before you know he sues us. <laughs> I'm but sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Wait, go back real quick. Uh, Toph, one of my favorite characters in the animation, uh, they released like casting information about it, like two years ago, whenever they were still planning on doing a second film, and the actor was terrible. Like that actor, I would not. She was like a white, um, uh, white, super Why American. Why the in in Avatar? I don't know. It's not, Please, they're not white. Okay, now I do have to admit I love the outfit choices that they chose for that movie. Like the whole tattoo design and stuff was really cool. But again, the movie, not so cool. And they even did not – and I'm going to try to be quick with this, but I'm, a, I'm in – I love Avatar so much that I get heated over this. They did not do it correctly because every time that they would firebend, um, you know, when you see it in the animation, they would firebend and it would just come out of themselves. In the movie, it, there had to be fire around for it to actually happen. On, and they tried to make it the same as waterbending. And I'm just sitting there in my head. I'm like, no, no, you can fire bend without there being fire there, buddy. You can't change the rules like that, in my opinion. God, M Night Shyamalan. Like, screw you. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Wait, we should have uh, T-shirts like that. M Night Shyamalan, screw you, with Sam's face on the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so like with, but again with with the whole entirety of of Avatar and just I the movie. I mean, it would be interesting to see what they could do again with that. It, I, I was excited when they first announced it. And the funny thing is, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but my, my grandfather, he wanted to go see that movie really bad. And he said it was really good. I wanted to show him the animation. He refused to see the animation. He said that it was child crap or whatever. I'm trying to explain to him, have you seen the themes in the show? This is not at all directed towards children, in my opinion. Have you oh, seen yeah, Bloodbending? Bloodbending? I was just about to say that. Gary, was that you? Yeah, man, we're connected. <laughs> oh, my God. We're, collect we're connected through blood. Like, I feel you, man. Don't bloodbend me, though. It's terrible. I wish they would have sh I I showed that old lady. I want to see what that old lady oh would look gosh. like. Yeah. <laughs> she freaked me out. Yeah, like I'm, like, I'm like, the themes in the show are insane. If you've ever seen the show, you will notice that the themes that they portray in the show are very adult-like. It's the darkest animation that's on Nickelodeon. Yeah, no, extremely. I'm, I'm surprised Nickelodeon uh, even allowed it, and, and kudos to Nickelodeon for even allowing it because 
I mean, it, I think it really helped them a lot with their uh, ratings and such. Absolutely. So, so speaking of movie sequels that we don't want to see, I should feel like we should also talk about uh, movies that I felt satisfied with the ending, like Toy Story three. Like, mm. I don't want to spoil it, but the ending satisfied me. It was a good conclusion to the uh, to the series, and then. Uh, Tom Hanks, he kind of hinted at they're making Toy Story 4, but Disney, uh, they haven't said anything. But I honestly don't want to see Toy Story 4. I don't either. I don't either. Uh, the, the third movie, in my opinion, really did close it off just perfectly, and it left me thinking this is the end of our characters. Now, I know on Disney Channel they actually did uh, shorts. Yeah, I saw, uh, so I saw a short for I'm a okay, I'm okay with that. For like holidays and stuff. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's fine. They, they have the same thing for that. For like, They have a Shrek Christmas or something like that. And that's that's fine. Now, if they did like one of those, you know, like those little films they show before movies. Yeah, if like they a did, Disney short? Yeah, if they did like one of those shorts before a movie, like uh, was it Blue Umbrellas, one of them, and um, uh, Paper. Uh, paper was awesome. Paper was pretty good. Oh, was, uh, that was before Wreck-It Ralph, right? Yeah, yeah, and it was it was actually really, really well done. Um, that one, was... uh, yeah, I saw paper and I thought it was awesome. Pixar has one of the greatest, um, have some of the greatest animators and some of the best minds in the entire film industry, without a doubt. Yeah, I no. mean, when it comes to things that I look towards, um, I you know, DreamWorks has absolutely nothing on on um, Pixar, and I will say that out loud. And DreamWorks, you can come to my house. With your little craftsmen and such, and have, I don't know, <laughs> Alex the Lion come and scream in my face. But I'm telling you, they're actually going to force a rainbow wig on you and make <laughs> you sing the song, Afro Circus and such. Afro but- Circus. Don't don't even get this started in my head. Uh, I must say that I'm um, looking at the more political side of it. I feel like DreamWorks really good at making money, while Pixar is really good at making fans, memories, and then money. Lastly. Yeah, definitely. Disney Animation, like before they had the deal with Pixar they have now, like Disney Animation, like Tarzan, I love Tarzan. Like the soundtrack for that, the Phil Collins, You Will Be In My Heart, it's probably one of like the best sound, that won an, an Oscar for best song in a film when it came out. And uh, just like Disney Animation, Pixar in general, are probably the top animators and filmmakers like in that animation category by far. For those of you who, uh, who follow Pixar and follow uh, animated films in general, you know, Pixar was taken on by the gods of God in technology, Mr. Steve Jobs. And mm-hmm. Steve Jobs was pretty much the, um, he kind of was their mentor when it comes to um, the business side of, of that kind of sense. He bought it from um, George Lucas and he used, he was doing it for a little while and it wasn't really doing too great. Uh, they started distributing with Disney. They did Toy Story, and that worked out. And then eventually, um, they sold it to Disney for a couple billion dollars. Uh, Steve Jobs, till his dying day, was uh, on the board uh, for Walt Disney, and also uh, John Lasseter, who's the president of Pixar Studios, is still to this day a managing. He's like the president of Pixar Animation area and he's also president of like i don't know it's something stupid like imagination or something but um but they've completely shook uh uh, goodness shooken it up um you know very recently with frozen if you guys have seen that that's one of the best animated films in a while i've seen uh well like one of one of my opinions uh, i know something that i think is pretty interesting is the fact that i'm a 
two two movies I think that have been fairly well off with the whole Disney aspect and, and Pixar itself. Uh, Incredibles, I want a sequel to. Incredibles is amazing. I love Incredibles. I want to see I want to see them get older and see Jack just be like a rebellious teenager. That'd be pretty sweet. I know that I'm a also I'm a Wreck It Ralph. Uh, I don't want to see a sequel to Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, I agree to that. Hey, I, hey uh, one second, Sam. Hey, Gary, I think your mic's off, bud. Or something's wrong with your mic. Okay. Oh, it was muted. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. There you go. Now now talk. Now talk. Am I good? Yeah, you're good. All right. Cut that out, Dylan. Oh, shush. <laughs> Hashtag uh, inside joke. Anyways, continue. You talking about me? Yeah, you can, go, you can go, Sam. You can keep talking. Oh, I was just saying, I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wreck-It Ralph uh, ended just great, and I feel like Disney really got on the ball on that one. Yeah, I mean, you know, we said that other time that Disney has really been, you know, taking steps to try to become a monopoly, and and I don't even know everything, I guess you could say, but um, they are truly pretty. They're not that bad when it comes to sequels. I mean, I can tell you that straightforward. You know, Monsters University, I thought that was a good sequel. Pretty solid movie. Well, Monsters University was a prequel, actually. Oh, I'm still waiting for Monsters, uh, Inc. sequel. You gotta be that guy. It's, hey, been like, it's been like 12 years, come on. Actually, good sir, it's a prequel. <laughs> I can't wait till Finding Dory. Uh, that's gonna be <laughs> interesting, Dory. because that will actually be the official, like, here's a movie that was made so long ago. I mean, Toy Story really did, because uh, that was the first movie with a sequel, wasn't it? By Pixar. I think that was the first film that Toy actually Story had a sequel was, to yes. it. Yes, Toy Story was. Toy Story is also the first fully CGI animated movie there was ever. Pretty interesting stuff there. I mean, they really did uh, change a lot of things. I'm a Pixar fan, guys. When I get older, I'm telling you, if if you find me on the streets, I'll have something. I'll have the little lamp from Pixar tattooed somewhere. I be, promise you. That's actually not a bad idea. You know what? Well, fanboy. <laughs> I want. I know that I saw in um, uh, IKEA there was a lamp. Uh, like that. It was like a modeled lamp after the Pixar lamp. And it looked really <laughs> cool. It was like $20 or something. I was so tempted to buy it. I didn't though, which is kind of sad. But I'm, uh... but yeah, so uh, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, I don't think needs a sequel. That movie was really good, by the way. Uh, beautifully written. I think the same person who wrote that, she wrote uh, Frozen. So they're making some good money off of that lady. They're, so, they're... Uh, you go so first, Sam. Go ahead, Gary. Oh, I was going to move on to and ask what movies need a sequel like that like definitely like the story like story-wise incredibles that, 2 avatar not avatar. the last airbender avatar james cameron that's coming out i think soon i know it is but they said 2015 and i haven't seen that movie that movie came out in 2000 what was it 10 2010 yeah. we don't, i can't be waiting five years james cameron i know you can go underwater in your little submarine and go down to god knows how deep but you need to not take another 10 years Wait a minute! Holy crap! That was, that was four years ago. That movie came out. That was further than that. That's got to be longer than four years because it felt like it feels like a century. Here, I'll re- I remember. I'll I remember. You guys, I remember I'll research. In, uh, I remember watching it in sixth grade. So that was, gosh, that was sixth grade. Is, what what year was sixth grade, Alex? For us, that was four years ago. Yeah, yeah, four years. I'm gonna. You guys vamp for a minute. I'm gonna look up this information about uh, Avatar. I'm ex- I really did like Avatar. I mean. I think that the visual work, that was one of the very first legit, like, good 3D movies I've ever seen. You know, they, yeah, were, like, they, they really changed it for me. 
it's definitely a big thing because I, like I said, I think last week actually that that turned uh, Sam Worthington to a nobody into like a a common movie star that people want in films and such. So definitely, uh, it changed a lot of people's lives. I, I mean, you know, we grew up kind of seeing the transitional phase. I feel so bad for the, you know, people of or the kids of today. Not because, not just because they got to miss out on you know Sweet Life of Zack and Cody and other greatness of long that sort fill <laughs> in the future, um, but they've missed out seeing the transition from it. I remember seeing my very first great IMAX movie. It was The Dark Knight. I remember seeing that in Charlotte, North Carolina. They had a huge IMAX theater, and you were able to go see it. I saw The Dark Knight the same day that I saw uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And so I've got to see that that transition, and so I really think that um, that these kids need to have some kind of transition. Maybe sooner or later, they'll be five D to where you can actually touch them and feel them. I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll uh, definitely figure it out. Uh, like I wonder, like I the, probably the first IMAX movie I saw, I saw at the Kennedy Space Center, and they had a giant IMAX movie. I think it was about. Uh, uh, I knew it was narrated by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and he, I think it was about different galaxies or something like that. And like just seeing an IMAX theater with like it's like huge screen and with these three glasses, it's like it's just like collapsing into you. Like it's fantastic. Do you remember seeing? I remember we're getting off track, but I still I I love this part. The, the Wild Thornberries movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wild Thornberries movie. For all of you philosophers who have a childhood, the Wild Thornberries movie, there was a point in time where the what they did is, is they had – you would go in and you would buy your ticket, and there was a little scratch and sniff thing kind of. And it was in 3D, and you'd go in there, and there would be a moment in the movie where there would be something that pops on the screen – like a little – like one of the little things, and you would do whatever it's asking you to do. So it would be like a small – a uh, little circle that would smell like peanut butter, and you would scratch it and sniff it, and it would smell like peanut butter, um, and just a lot of things along that sort. And it was like the most interactive movie that was a legit movie I've ever seen. Yeah, the only one of the funniest things looking back at that show was Nigel Thornsberry, old bean. <laughs> just is like how he was British, and no one else in that show was really British. Yeah, Everybody in that show was British. What are you talking about? Eliza well, wasn't British. His mom, her mom wasn't British. Like the dad was British. Yeah, but like, the, okay, with the dad, they're like, I, I they weren't like stereotypical <laughs> British, like Nigel Thornsberry. <laughs> <laughs> and then the monkey. Uh, you guys ever seen like the the Rugrats crossover with the 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 wild? Of course, of course. Yeah, oh, the Rugrats go wild. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a good movie. That was a good movie. That's what I was saying. That's what I meant to say. I, I'm apologizing, philosophers. I was saying how they had the little scratch and sniff thing for the Rugrats go wild. Yeah, I remember those. And you would like sit there and it would be like, uh, scratch this to smell this and you could scratch it and it would be like popcorn or something. That was yeah. really cool. Um, now, when we were talking about Avatar, uh, Avatar actually came out in 2009. I knew it. It was longer. December 18th, 2009. It felt so long. Yeah. Uh, Sam Worthington. I mean, like these guys, they are um, – uh, that's a long time ago to think about it. That's five years. It is a long time, man. I've had enough time to be able to go in and see other movies and realize how good Avatar really was. Yeah, two thousand and nine film. Full. That was the. I believe that was one of the the one of my personal favorite movies to actually utilize the whole 
only 3D type. Like they they filmed in 3D. It was meant for 3D. You could go see it in 2D, but it was meant for 3D, and that was just amazing because I don't like 3D. Me having to wear glasses and stuff, it's it's really annoying to wear uh, the 3D glasses over my glasses. But it was really worth uh, that experience. Well, yeah, something yeah. I checked out for the first time a, a few weeks ago. Me and Alex went to a GameStop, and. Uh, I saw the Nintendo 3DS, and that's uh, 3D without glasses. And I was just like, whoa, the future's here. <laughs> Except they're in the bank right now. They are uh, failing as a company. So Yeah, Nintendo, they need to uh, get together. I apologize for that, by the way. Nintendo, I, I, I have no bad blood against you. You just need to know. I love Nintendo. They make business games. Yeah. Yeah. I, had to get, I called up Nintendo to be able to get Netflix on my 2008... We and they were perfectly kind enough to be able to help me out and get me through that situation. And so I pledge my, I don't know if I pledge my life to you, but I pledge my thanks to you, Nintendo. I love Nintendo. They make some good games. And uh, speaking of video games, though, uh, Gary, uh, Assassin's Creed movie. Yeah. No. Uh, one no. of my- one of my yeah, one of my favorite video game series of all time, Assassin's Creed. There's been rumors about, or not rumors, I guess, kind of confirmed now that That's they Ubis, the company the company Ubisoft they want to make a uh, they want to make an Assassin's Creed movie, a uh, a movie based on the new game that's coming out this year, Watch Dogs, a, a Raving Rabbits movie, and there's some news recently where a Swedish director, I, don't, I forget his name, he was rumored to be attached to the Assassin's Creed movie. But the thing is, I don't know what they would do with it because I don't, I, I, I kind of like, as a fan, I kind of want to see like maybe an Ezio movie, but at the same time, I've already played through that. So seeing it as a movie, it's kind of- His kinda, name was uh, Daniel Espinoza. Yeah, Daniel Espinoza. And, have, you, uh, have you guys heard about Sly? A Sly Cooper movie, yes, I heard yeah, about Yeah, I saw that. the art style, and I was a little iffy on that. I, if they screw that up, I'm going to be so mad. It's going to be insane. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with Gary, though. Uh, with, with the whole video game movie type thing, it's like you can't – in my opinion, you can't tell the same story again because we played as those characters. We have more of a personal connection with those characters than we would if you were to play as the, or see them in a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you, at, at, at video games are an interactive experience. So um, going downgrading from being able to control – uh, that character and plays that character from just watching him, it's kind of just confusing a little bit. Yeah, and, and it's like, it's weird uh, to actually, I mean, like what he was saying, and I don't want to see an Ezio movie, I don't want to see a, a Connor movie, I want to see a completely new character that I could relate to only in that film universe. Maybe, like, like, insane for the video games, maybe a modern day uh, Assassin's Creed, but we've seen very, very, very small amounts of modern day Assassins in. They should do, what they should do is, is they should do some kind of thing to where maybe they do it around a time period where the uh, Assassins are about to overthrow the government because the government is ran by the Templars and. They're the guys who are behind Occupy Wall Street, um, and they go on the huge rant, and then they do also – they're a part of the Tea Party, and they do some stuff. I don't know, but I think that if we can be able to try to mix something along that sorts, I would be, uh, I would, I would be pretty happy. I would wear my hood. And I would get like a stick and put it under my wrist and put it as a hidden blade. Alex actually, uh, for my birthday last year, he got me a hidden blade from Assassin's Creed 4, Edward Kenway, and I was absolutely in love with it, and I still am. I'm just looking for. I see a costume, and then 
you know, if I become blonde overnight, I can cosplay. <laughs> Uh, the the one thing I love about those games too is the fact that they they make it so cinematic. Uh, Ubisoft with with their with their cinematic universe of this gorgeous game that takes you back in time and kind of twists a few things around, but still gives you. In fact, Gary, uh, we we both use information from the game for our tests in world history. Yeah, I, uh, my history class. Uh, there is a question about Constantinople. And like one, one was like the most significant ruler of Constantinople. And in Assassin's Creed Revelations, the last game with Ezio, you are in Constantinople and you meet it's Solomon that, the Magnificent. And I just shot my hand up. I got the answer right, and I felt so proud that uh, video games gave me helped me in school. Video games do teach you something, kids. And in eighth grade, that's when um, Assassin's Creed Three came out, and that's set during the American Revolution. So, um, with yeah, world, with U.S. history, yeah, I don't talk about it. Um, <laughs> U.S. with that U.S. history, I was like, oh, uh, Boston Tea Party. That's easy. It was. I, I thought it was cool because what I used to do is I get in. My parents are very strict when it comes to the games I buy. Like, I think that's the worst game I've ever bought, and so I can't wait until I'm able to get out of the house and actually experience something like Call of Duty. Just because I'm just a loser once more. Um, but trust me, go with I'll, Battlefield, not Call of Duty. I'll. I'll I'll take y'all's advice for it, but what I'm I remember I, every single time one of these games would come out, I would say to my dad, I was like, Dad, listen, I'm not even kidding. It's so historically accurate that it pretty much is my history book. Can I please just get it? If if anything, it's a more effective way of me being able to learn the subject. And he always succumbs to it. He's always like, All right, yeah, we can go and get it. And so I've been I, I love it. I love it so much. I like in all honesty, I like um Brotherhood. I really like Brotherhood. Brotherhood's like, really good. I like Brotherhood, and I like Revelations a little bit more because with Revelations, you're able to get like a group of assassins and have them on hand, and so you're just chilling out and just want to be able to do something. Like, yeah, you definitely, uh, you definitely uh, in Brotherhood. That was the um, introduction of recruiting assassins. And one point, if you get enough assassins, you can call an arrow storm, and that basically just annihilates everyone. And in Brotherhood and Revelations. The feeling is so satisfying when people are trying to attack you and all you do is raise your hand and just uh, make it into a fist and you see arrows flying at people. You're like a boss. It's <laughs> yeah. a good game series too. It's just and, – and the way that they're going to adapt it into a movie, I feel like they could actually do it very well. And I feel like I, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see how they can pull it off. Um, as long as it's um, not capitalizing on our knowledge of prior characters. Like, oh, look, you in the movie, this guy meets Ezio. Look at that. Ezio's in the film for a few minutes. Thumbs yeah, that, that, see, that seemed kind of cheap in a way. It's, yeah. It just seems, you know, like something that's not really right as a fan because I came around in Assassin's Creed 2, and I liked it so much I went and bought the first one the next day, which, you know, was kind of a mistake. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, you know they kind of made one of those already. They've made like little mini. They made a mini series for Assassin's Creed too. I think. Yeah, and it was actually really good. And yeah, that's Assassin's what I'm Creed saying. Lineage. It came uh, with on the disc, and I watched it. And um, it's basically Ezio's father. He was an assassin. Spoiler alert! It's early in the game. It doesn't matter. Uh, and it looked pretty good. 
See, they can pull it off. I think they could definitely pull it off. Now, um, uh, something else I want to mention, just because while we're on the topic of video games and uh, films, uh, I just realized that not too long ago they were actually speaking about a Bioshock movie. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Bioshock, Sam, but I'm... Uh, I, I Listen, just because my dad doesn't buy me the games doesn't mean I'm incompetent. I know what Bioshock is. Beautiful game. Amazing series. And I don't know. I mean... I know that a lot of time with with Bioshock Infinite with the introduction of Columbia and this entire like floating city type thing, they were trying to get away from the idea that uh, Bioshock is only Rapture under the sea. That's the only way that this game can exist. They were trying to get away from that, and they did so very well, very very well. So seeing a movie would be pretty interesting. They just came out with some DLC too, which is uh, again capitalizing on the whole. Um, uh, under the sea type thing, but uh, the DLC is really good, and the whole story behind it, while being kind of confusing, um, uh, really does. It, it could potentially become that, which is pretty interesting. Another another uh, great gaming uh, developer that um, is good, great with cinematics, Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog makes the Uncharted series. Uh, last year, they came out with The Last of Us, which is still on my list to buy. You can watch that. The cinematics for those games. Full movie right there. Yeah, they are absolutely beautiful with uh, cinematics and just the gameplay itself. So Yeah, I love Uncharted. I uh, I followed that entire game up to it. I was so happy because it was T so I could buy it. And so <laughs> Yeah. Also, uh, that's another game that's been like ever since I was in seventh grade, that's been rumored to be made a movie. And I think they're trying to. And I uh, I'd like to see it. No North, you know. They kind of screw with you though, because what they'll do is, is it's it's a very consistent game, and there's a lot of things that are not the same for each game. But there's always, and I recognize this, there's always a part in the game that you can get actually pretty scared about. Like I remember in the first one, um, when the little zombie things were. Running. Oh man, you! I remember when I played that, and I you cannot believe how terrified I was. I had the lights on. I had. Yeah, like just like little like in the game, you just have a little like flashlight that's on your hip, and it points wherever the camera points, or it points wherever the character is facing. So even if you have the camera facing one way, the flashlight is pointing, and those any limited ammunition. So when those things came at you, I that 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 prevented me from from being that game. Because that's like near the end, like kind of near the end of the game. You didn't beat the game? I beat the game. No, 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 no. I beat it. I just like oh. that prevented me from playing. That I finally buckled down and I played it and uh, still terrified. That game, uh, they also did a reboot pretty recently of uh, the Tomb Raider series, which uh, was a movie. I'm not, I'm not sure how well that did, but uh, I mean, I think the lowest rating video game movie that we can ever think of is the Mario movie. <laughs> which i actually watched it on netflix and it was absolutely terrible was it there was a mario movie yeah dude look it up it's absolutely terrible it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life. i think uh i think uh a move a video game movie that was okay uh the hitman from the hitman series that was uh if you didn't uh play the games and you just saw the movie you think it's pretty good but I didn't. I, I've only played a couple of the Hitman series, and I thought it was okay. It wasn't like super fantastic, amazing, but it was just it was okay. Yeah, I mean, now you guys have all seen the Avengers, right? The first Avengers yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Uh, second Avengers film is coming out this summer. Uh, Avengers Two: Age of Ultron. 
it looks pretty promising. Do you like? I don't know if you guys know the whole comic background behind Age of Ultron or Ultron himself. Um, maybe we'll talk about that another time. But uh, I, I think that the Avengers series. I think that the way that they have again in our first episode we talked about Disney and the whole uh, basically the whole I guess conquest of Disney across the world. But the way that they've thought out this entire uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is amazing. They've really, really thought out exactly how they want to do it and uh, how to um, put together and make it good. So, yeah, I uh, definitely excited for that. Definitely excited for. Uh, <laughs> it seems like in the past podcast, uh, just Disney sponsor us. Ubisoft hire Sam as a writer. Uh, hire me. Just give me access to games and Mario movie. <laughs> Mario don't movie. exist. Don't exist, please. Oh, dude, Mario. Oh no, Avatar. What's the Avatar movie? Avatar: the Last Airbender. What's that? What's that? Last Airbender. Was that a movie yet? I don't know. What are you talking about? What? I don't know, dude. What's the Last Airbender movie? Is that a real thing? Man, you know who should direct that? <laughs> not, not in my timeline. <laughs> I wonder if whenever they're in the writer room, the first thing they said was, "You know all the terrible movies this guy has made." Let's make him in charge of making this movie. <laughs> He's the cheapest director we can find right now. Let's not capitalize on the Did they even hire – and we have to go back to this because now you done brought it up and now the <laughs> demon's coming out of me again. Did they even hire the original guys to help them out? They they did and then apparently I guess the main writer of the movie took over and they never heard a word back from them. So, okay. so the main yeah. guys who wrote the show didn't even get a chance to help really with the movie. No wonder it was so crappy. And they're wondering, they're like, how did this not do so well? That's why, you idiot. That's <laughs> why, that's why, uh, bringing it back, I'm so hopeful for The Fault in Our Stars. Because it was, uh, it was reckoned, recommended so heavily, and I liked it so much. And I was pleased with the trailer. So, you know, adaptations, be good, please. I yes. like a book, I like a book by a guy named uh, Carlos Ruiz Zafron. Um, it's called Shadow of the Wind. And if you have Mrs. Peters, which I'm assuming both of you do, you yeah, will, we do. You will probably read it sometime this year. Um, if she doesn't, I'm gonna be mad at her, and I'll let you guys borrow a, borrow a copy. Um, it is legit the best book I have ever read. I love it so much. When you read it, you really hit emotional points within it. So when there's a part where it's scary, you actually get scared. And when there's parts that are somewhat, I don't know sad you get really sad and you actually feel for it you have your heart drop for a minute when you hear a certain part it's it's a it's a very uh i don't want to say interactive but it certainly gets your emotions jumping left and right and um i recommend it to anybody and i honestly think that if they made a film out of that even if it is in spanish which the original book is i would by all means go ham on it with my spanish too if every time they said me gusta i would know what they meant but besides that i'm kind of lost but we can go with it Subtitles, probably. Subtitles, I'll be... Can we get it subbed? <laughs> Didn't. We could do the subbing. Me and Alex, Sam. Dude, we could, we could... I think it's dub, Gary. I think for voices, it's dubbed. Dub, oh, never mind. Sub. Well, um, my ignorance to anime. <laughs> Dude, best anime, Attack on Titan. They don't have a dub for it that's good. All the dubs make the kids sound like whiny, like, five-year-olds. It's really annoying. Um, anywho, uh, do you think that's good, guys, for this week? Yeah. All right, so I just want to do one quick segment that I, I just thought off of the top of my head when you guys were talking. But I'm, uh, 
short film slash web series suggestion of the week for me. I want I want to suggest something to you guys. Actually, two things uh, that is going on right now. Right now, a web series that I like called VGHS is currently entering their third season, and uh, they need some money to make it happen. Now, uh, you can go watch the rest on their website, rocketjump.com, or you can go watch it on YouTube, uh, Rocket Jump, or I think Freddy W, depending on what they have still over there. But uh, right now, it's on Indiegogo. You can donate to it. You can get some cool prizes if you donate uh, for the film. Uh, it's a really good web series. Uh, very it's Absolutely. Good. I love it. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, uh, it made me mad because what they tried to do is they put it on Netflix, but it gave you like half of the first season, and so I kind of got really mad about that. But, um, but yeah, guys, seriously, this is by far the greatest non-professional produced web series type television show that I've ever seen in my entire YouTube existence. Exactly. And uh, you can donate now. I donated for the second season. Really good uh, things you guys can get over there. I'm getting my DVD and stuff for second season soon. So uh, do that. And also something that I know Gary watched heavily, uh, the Nuka Break web series. Uh, it's a Fallout web series by uh, Wayside Productions. It's from the video game series Fallout. And uh, it's set in the New Vegas, it's in New Vegas wasteland, Mojave wasteland, and I think it's pretty good. There, they had their season two, uh, season one, season two. They had an independent short film Red Star. called Red Star, and I think you should all check it out. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, uh, thank you for talking with us again today, Gary. Uh, I th- hope we, we can have you again on here. Uh, great having you on here. Yeah, definitely. I love being on here. And uh, thank you, philosophers, for tuning into this week's episode of Film Philosophy. Uh, I'm going to get it right this time. You can follow us on Twitter at philosophy underscore film, and you can submit questions on our website in the description below. Uh, Thank you, Sam, uh, for talking again. Thank you, man. Glad to be doing this. uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so tune in next week for another episode, and uh, see you guys later. Adios. Adios.